This is Eye on Education on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With Royal Grammar School, Guildford, Dubai. I'm Helen Farmer. You are listening to Eye on Education. Prepare to feel inspired. We were chatting with the legendary Baroness Fluella Benjamin about the role of books and diversity representation, making all kids feel like they belong. Sharing news of a library that comes to you and not one but two educators talking about what schools and parents can do to foster a love of learning. This is Eye on Education on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With Royal Grammar School, Guildford, Dubai. The woman we are speaking to now needs no introduction, but I'm going to give her one anyway. Baroness Floella Benjamin, DBE, is a Trinidadian British broadcaster, writer, politician, and she became a familiar face to millions through her TV work, most notably on Play School, which she first presented back in 1976. She was born in Trinidad in 1949, the second of six children. Her parents emigrated to the UK and they were left behind with foster parents. It wasn't until 16 months later that they reunited. And it was eventually buying a house in Beckenham where they lived for 40 years, which is why Fluella decided on the title Baroness Benjamin of Beckenham when she entered the House of Lords in 2010 as a Liberal Democrat peer. So we have seen her on stage, on screen. She's published books, worked closely with charities and has campaigned for high standards in children's broadcasting and more diversity in creative industries. She was the Chancellor of Exeter University for a decade and in 2020 received a damehood for her services to charity. In conversation now with her, she was speaking to us from RGS Dubai. And I have to say, I know how passionate you are, Baroness, about children's rights and advocating for them. Can we talk a little bit about your childhood and how that's informed some of the books you've written and ultimately your life's work in advocating for kids? Tell us about growing up and how that led you to having these incredible views and goals. I grew up in a world of love. Love is all you need as a child. If you have unconditional love in your life and you know people around you love you and appreciate you then that's everything Mm -hmm. and I was very lucky to have two parents who really showed all their six children that everything was possible how to use their imagination how to be themselves how to be confident because to be confident And to know that you're worthy Mm -hmm. is probably the best asset you could have for life. And having that as part of my life, realising how important that is from a very early age uh, and being exposed to a world where I realise that children need that Mm -hmm. has driven me to be who I am. So it's my childhood because childhood lasts a lifetime. And if you have a good, good foundation a solid foundation, then anything is possible. And that's what makes me who I am, sharing that love, sharing that feeling of excitement of the world. Every time I wake up in the morning, I say, take me, show me, lead me, world, I'm yours. And I get children to believe that too. That's the secret of life. I love this idea of fostering this self-worth in children and making them feel capable of anything even in difficult circumstances and you know you've you've spoken and, and obviously written about the racism you faced when you moved with your siblings to you know be reunited with your family um in uh, in the UK once they'd been moving ahead of you and you've never it sounds like from what I've read and, and listened to that you always felt like you belonged and you had a right to be there despite some of the abuse that you faced from even adults um how tell us about that about this idea of you can't 
be it until you see it. That right representation, the work you've done in promoting diversity through books and through television. It goes back to my parents once again, Mm -hmm. because my father was a, he was a philosopher. He was an adventurer and he actually opened our eyes to the world. He taught us about Africa, because when you're from the Caribbean, you knew very little about Africa. So he reminded us each day about our roots, Mm -hmm. about understanding that we were people who had a past and who could create the future by believing in ourselves. And our mother uh, used to, she was an earth mother. Everybody who met my mum wanted her to be their mum because she used to... uh, cream our skin down with oils, you know, and uh, she used to pour cod liver oil into us every day. You see, that's why I look so good at 74, 74 years old, but it starts from childhood. But most of all, she used to say to us, education is your passport to life. So you go to school and you learn. And once you have that education, that means you have the gift of changing the world the gift of knowing how to get other people to open their eyes to the world. Mm -hmm. So when people told me uh, that I wasn't worthy because of the colour of my skin, for a while, I kind of believed them because it was coming from British people, people who had grown up in Trinidad thinking they know best. Mm -hmm. British history, British heroes, all the things that that I was kind of brainwashed to believe in in Trinidad, where I was born. I was born in the Caribbean, in Trinidad. Uh, So when I came to England, for white people to be telling me these things, I kind of, it almost threw me for a while. Mm -hmm. For For about four years, I was quite a lost soul. So I used to fight a lot until I realized one day, hang on a minute, hang on, hang on, hang on. Because I, I had what I call my first spiritual moment. And I thought, hang on a minute, I know that I'm worthy. I know my mum and dad loves me. And the voice said to me, you can't change the color of your skin. And if people have a problem with the color of your skin, then it's their problem, Absolutely. not yours. Start loving who you are. Start I... showing who you are. Yeah. And when you find that, bingo. And, and I've learned, that's the day when I had that spiritual moment. That's the day I learned to smile because winners smile. And I was going to be a winner. And I have been relentless with my smile. People, when I did my program called Play School 48 years ago, yeah. I now get letters from people saying, when I was little, I used to watch you and your smile made me think, anything was possible your smile made me feel happy your smile made me feel loved and it was because I had that spiritual moment when I was 14 realizing that it was other people's problems if they didn't like me because of my color because of my religion because of whatever it is because that's what happened people do, people are, are educated enough to understand mm-hmm. uh, that you know if someone is different to them it doesn't mean they're a bad person it doesn't mean you have to hate them Give them a chance. So I I get children to understand how you embrace differences. You've got children naturally do that. But we poison their minds mm-hmm. and say, you don't like him because he's from a different religion to you, because he's a different culture, because he's a different color. No, 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 no. Be like a blind person. Feel the soul. Feel that emotion that you get that vibration that you get from the human soul that's what gives you the right choice of making a choice about a person 
not because of their colour or anything else. Baroness, can I ask you about that idea of representation? You mentioned, of course, play school there. Um, and I think for generations of children to see you on screen felt like anything was possible. You know, if this girl that's come over from Trinidad as a, as a 10-year-old can be on stage and screen and now, you know, parliament and, you know, university, incredible levels. Um, but what about literature? You know, we're talking about reading on the show today and you are an author as well. What power do you think books have to bridge some of these gaps, to have what can be quite difficult and sometimes awkward conversations with children about diversity, about differences, about representation? Very much so. Well, I first started writing because of play school, because I said to the producers one day, I'm telling the stories, but yet the illustrations are all of white children. Can't we have some black and Asian and Chinese faces? And the producer said to me, oh, we hadn't noticed. But interestingly, she said to me, why don't you start writing stories, Floella, to reflect differences? And that's how I started writing books, opening children's minds, making children, no matter what colour they are, see themselves in a book, Mm -hmm. embracing those differences. And I've been very, very lucky because publishers have all come to me to say to me, will you write a book for us? We want a series of this. Will you do this for us? Will you do that for us? I've been very lucky. And it's purely because I've never been afraid to speak out and say, this is wrong. This is what we need to change. Mm -hmm. And I want children to become lovers of the written word, to delve into that book and fire up their imagination, to make them see that what they're feeling, other people are feeling, to feel that... They can express their thoughts and their ideas too to make people feel good about who they are. Because that's what books and writing literature is all about, Mm -hmm. escapism, taking you to a place. No matter where you're living, no matter where you're from, you can travel through a book. It takes you to the universe and back and you can soar high up into the atmosphere and feel great about who you are, feel that feeling. And I, I, I introduce children to Shakespeare. Because Shakespeare kind of opens children's minds. It tells children about uh, geography, comprehension, language, hatred, love, desperation, jealousy, all the feelings that they might be having to go through one day. It's in Shakespeare. So I I, I try and get them to read uh, Mayor Angelou. I love Mayor Angelou. What makes the, the cage birds sing? I love Barack Obama's books. I love all these books that take, because what Barack Obama te- tells you is it tells you that you shouldn't really interfere with other people's culture if you don't understand what other people's culture is all about. Mm-hmm. Dreams of My Father. You read that That's book, beautiful. you see it completely differently. And I like books that actually, uh, autobiographies that, delves into the psyche of people's minds because I think if you understand someone's mind and you see where they're coming from it helps you to know how to deal with them mm-hmm, absolutely. know how to how to create a world that they feel safe in and that's what books are all about when you hear about people's lives you know and I when I write my books I, I kind of get into a zone I kind of delve into this zone and think this is what I want to create And it's magic. It's a magical kind of experience. We will be back with more from Baroness Floella Benjamin after the break. This is Eye on Education on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With Royal Grammar School Guildford, Dubai. 
We're talking fostering a love of literature, and who better to speak to than Baroness Fluella Benjamin? She's written children's books, she's written her memoir, and she's here in Dubai. Baroness, you've worked, obviously, in the House of Lords, and I wondered, you know, if you could wave a magic wand over governments in the UK, of course, but maybe internationally, you know, policymakers. For fostering a love of education, fostering a love of books, what do you think needs to change? I know, obviously, at home as parents, we have a big responsibility of sharing our love of learning and having that time of, you know, a child tucked under our arm at bedtime and having that physical closeness and sharing of stories. But, you know, at a bigger governmental, societal level, what would you love to see put in place? I would. I've been. <clears throat> I've been campaigning to get a minister, a cabinet-level minister for children, for twenty years. While I was on play school, I realised that children don't have a voice, and I wanted government policy to be joined up. Mm-hmm. And so I campaigned for twenty years to get a cabinet-level minister for children. In nineteen ninety-seven, when the Labour government came in, Tony Blair wrote to me and said, "This is a brilliant idea." And we got a cabinet-level minister for children, and things actually changed because suddenly there was somebody sitting at cabinet level making the decisions that affects children because all government policy affects children. That that uh, that uh, role has been downgraded. So I'm campaigning again to get it going. We've done research. We've done kind of so much work showing government that you need to have people sitting around a table across government departments making the decisions because they affect our children. Children That means they're affecting our future generations. That means in 20, 30 years' time, you're going to see the results of the policies and the decisions that they're making. That's right. And I am relentless. Oh, well, I am relentless. Anyone can Lovely. do it, Floella. It's going to be you. Um, we're talking books there, but we can't talk about books without talking about screens um, and I know you're really passionate about child safety when it comes to the internet in particular and I, I wondered if you had any words of wisdom for us as parents but equally what your hopes are in that space as well to make sure that you know there is this idea of children's attention being you know, a competition really between screens and books but I think that safety piece is perhaps even more important what is the latest there in your campaigns and what are your hopes for the future when it comes to child safety online? Well, well, as you said, I've for 12 years in Parliament, I've been campaigning and speaking out about children being online, trying to protect our children from actually looking at things that they shouldn't really be looking at. And I, as as a parent myself, and for any parent listening, I'll say to them, say no to their children and explain why you're saying no. Mm-hmm. Tell them. What happens is that their brains and their minds are being kind of distorted. They're being, we, we, no, they're being physically and mentally and emotionally abused. And we as parents have, and adults, have the responsibility to give the child that balance. Of course they should watch. Of course they, they, you know, they need to go online. Of course, they, but it, it's giving them the discipline Absolutely. and telling them, you do not do that because of and get them to make the judgment themselves, to say to them, I am in charge, not to be consumed by consumerism, not to be tempted, how to resist temptation. When I go into a school, I say, hands up all those who've got TV in their bedrooms, computers in their bedrooms, phones in it. Okay, 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 okay. When you go home, I want you to switch off the TV. I want you to take the television out of the bedroom. 
and the phones and the computers. And they go, no, no, no. I went, okay, okay, okay. Keep it there. But what I want you to do is to switch it off. Switch it off. And it's going to say to you, switch me on. <laughs> I've got something so nice to show you. Go on. And you're going to go, no, no. Because you see, if you can say no to a phone, to a computer, to a television, that means you can say no to anything because mm-hmm. you are in control. That's right. You control your own minds. You control your own destiny. Don't allow people to lead you to a place that you do not want to go to, that you know is wrong. Listen to that voice in your head, the good voice in your head. The voice in your head is telling you what the right thing to do. But the other voice, the bad voice, creeps in. Come on, come on. Do it, it's going to be so nice. Come on, come on. No, no, no. And when you say no, you are totally and utterly empowered. There's an empowerment that you can fight anything. And people can feel that energy knowing they cannot penetrate. It's like having a fortress that you cannot get through. And that's what I tell parents. Teach your children how to say no. Yeah, to listen to themselves. How to resist that, temptation. Yeah, that, yeah, I think we lose that as adults, don't we? We stop trusting ourselves. We t- stop trusting <clears> our instincts. And it's a it's a learned thing as well. And it comes back so beautifully to what you're saying before about knowing what your truth is, knowing what your worth is. Plurala Benjamin, we've run out of time. I could talk to you all day. Lastly, though, you are, of course, here um, celebrating books and literature. Can you give us a book recommendation? Is there anything you're reading at the minute that you think is fantastic? Or is there a children's author you think we should know about? Apart from yourself. Read my books. All my books. My books. My books. Good stuff. My my books are their stories. They can see themselves in my book. In my book, Keep Smiling, because obviously sometimes life gets really difficult and you forget how to smile. But I'm telling you, keep smiling. My book, Coming to England, tells you what it's like to be an outsider and how you fit in. You know, my nursery rhymes, all the books I do is about feeling good about yourself. So look no further. Get Floella Benjamin's books. I love this. (laughs) Books, love, cod liver oil. It's a wonderful alchemy, Floella Benjamin. Thank you so, so much for your time today. It's wonderful to have you in Dubai. And we'll see you. you. We'll see you on your pages. I always do. (laughs) Thank you, Floella. Really appreciate it. Take care. Bye, bye bye. This is Eye on Education on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With Royal Grammar School, Guildford, Dubai. One of my fondest memories as a child is going to the library. And I think my love of reading Roald Dahl's Matilda just compounded that. But what if you don't go to the library? What if the library comes to you? Lucy, the founder of Sharing Stories, is with us today. She's the founder of a company, it's a kids' library, home delivered. And I'm a firm believer that the best businesses are ones that solve problems for people. So, Lucy, where did the idea come from? It came from just like a mom frustration, like one year ago, and my kid always asking for new books and new books, and I couldn't like afford like having all the books at home. Mm-hmm. So I decided to not having only for myself, but maybe share it, and that's the first idea. That you, you're a mom of two. You've got a two-year-old and a five-year-old, and I think at that age in particular. Some of them, sometimes they're obsessed with one book and it's the repetitive. And then sometimes, as you say, there's this hunger for more, you know, different characters, different animals. And it is really hard to keep up. When they get older, much the same. 
you know, my race through series of books, and I'm not going to go back and read that book again, and you know, Isadora Moon again, or you know, Thirteen Story Treehouse again. Um, we're going to talk about how it works in a minute, but I guess I wanted to ask about your other why. So, the problem solving, but your love of reading. What is it that you get as a parent from spending time reading with your children, Lucy? Reading with the children is first family bonding. It's all about transmitting what uh, you think about the world, um, what um, you have uh, in mind and what you did during the day. But as we are in Dubai with a lot of multicultural uh, families, it's also transmitting a bit of your childhood and your culture. Mm -hmm. So uh, like I started with a French, of course, French books. And um, I, I started with a French community and that was mainly about how to transmit the books that you were reading when you were young. Oh, so that nostalgia piece as well. And now you lend books in English, French, Russian, Arabic and many others. No. Wow. That's yeah. a, can I ask you, where do you keep these books? Where are they? So before it started all in my living room, for sure. And me like picking books one by one. Mm -hmm. But now we had to grow. And this is in a warehouse with a very family mind warehouse. Can I ask then, how does it work? You know, and let's use me as an example. I've got two girls, six and eight. I wish they read a little bit more, but they will read most days. Um How does it work with coming to you and ultimately books coming to us? Can you walk us through the process? Yeah, sure. So you come on the platform, you buy your subscription, 150 per month to six books, and you will receive uh, the next Friday the six book you choose or that you we have chosen for you, depending on your kid's age or interest. So you could give criteria saying, you completely. know, he loves riding or she exactly. loves skateboarding or, yeah. you know, animals or whatever. Completely. Um, I'm actually just going fiction or non-fiction. Good. Both, of course. And we try, if we are doing the selection, you will have both of them. Now, one question I get an awful lot on my Instagram is, well, actually twofold. One about donating um, clothes and toys. And interesting, if you're listening on Monday, we were chatting uh, with Mika from Birthday Bliss and they're looking for good quality toys to be repurposed for children. They're putting on birthday parties for those in need. So ticking that box, thrift for good for clothes, birthday bliss for toys and books you take Books in good condition as well. Yes, exactly. So books only in good conditions. Uh, every language is zero to 10 year old for kids. And we offer a free month subscription for a donation. Okay, here's a difficult question. What if my child reads a book and doesn't want to give it back? Have you had this situation come up yes, before, Lucy? Yes, we have it. And this is a child that wants to read it and read it yeah. and read it again. And so you can buy it uh, with a second hand price. So it's between like 20, 50 um, dirhams. So what's been popular then? What have you noticed that, you know, children want to hold on to? Have you noticed any trends in terms of criteria? Not yet. Not too soon. Mm, I think so. Um, I've had a message going, what is the website? It is sharingstories.me. So what is the age range? We just had a message here from Remus. So that's a great question. How, how, do you, how are you catering? Yeah, so it's zero to 10 plus. And as you have some comics, for example, actually, you can read it even when you're adult. Okay. All right. Perfect. Um, and how best to get in touch? I guess, well, I guess that's what I'm asking. How can, how can people get in touch with you? You have uh, my WhatsApp on the website and um, you can just write me an email, lucy at sharingstories.me. So if this is you, if you're sick of buying books, or I think also a lot of people thinking about downsizing right now, about, you know, having less clutter. So being able to have some books in your home for a short amount of time, saving space, 
You mentioned there the financial impact as well. And for the environment as well. That's a, that circular economy. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing your Thank passion you for this. So much. Um, we are talking about how the educators can help um, in school's time. Um, Lucy, with your permission, if people want to send me the word book, can I send you the website? Would that be okay? Yes. Perfect. Send me the word book to 4001. I will send you the website. It is sharingstories.me. Home delivered kids library monthly subscriptions from teeny, teeny tots up to teens and uh, in multiple languages, which I've never seen before. So English, French, of course, uh, Arabic, Russian and many others. And of course, if you've got some and you want to donate, they're in good condition. You will get a free month subscription by doing that. This is Eye on Education on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With Royal Grammar School Guildford, Dubai. We are celebrating and fostering a love of reading between now and five o'clock. So I'd love to hear from you if you've got any challenges in this area with your kids, no matter how old they are. Again, we've been talking about the books we loved as children. And we'll be talking about what schools here in the UAE are doing to create this. And Rebecca Cregan with us today, Assistant Principal at Horizon International School. How are you? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. Do you love a book? I absolutely love a book. I really love books. Um, love reading to my children and I love reading by myself, mm. and especially when you can get a sun lounger out here in the <sighs> Do you know what? That is my happy place. A book that is... It. And listen, I enjoy reading. I haven't massively enjoyed reading to challenge myself over recent years. I just want to kind of escape into a book sometimes. In the sun, no one, you know children pestering me <laughs> has been talking to me I'm like now is not a talking time now is a reading time um, Rebecca what, what about you as a child what did you love reading growing up well it wasn't particularly any books in particular but it was the author A.A. A. Milne oh, Winnie the Pooh okay. series I remember vividly mum reading to me every night and we always had the really thick A.A. A. Milne um, Winnie the Pooh books and just reading through them and just the illustrations as well it yeah. was perfect we were um Enid Blight and Mallory Towers, Famous Five, Secret Seven. And we think about audiobooks being quite a new thing, but we had the cassette tape. So on very long car journeys to go to like the caravan in the Lake District, it was lots of like, woof, said Timmy. My dad was like, are we listening to this <laughs> again? Yes, dad, we are. Um, and I think, you know, you've got, you've got young kids. Um, and I think it, it does start at home, this idea of children seeing us read. Um, but then the school plays a role as well. So I wondered... What you're doing there at Horizon International to encourage little ones to dive into the world of reading. Can you give us some examples? Of course. Um, reading is so important to little people's lives and it just brings out creativity and a huge vocabulary lists, especially for lots of children who are joining a school that do not have a vast amount of vocabulary with them. In school, we're, we try and encourage reading through play. So we put lots of books into the environment, um, in little book nooks, in tents, in a construction area. And wherever children go, there's always a book there, um, you know, facts and that children, especially the boys, really love to read about facts oh, and that's stories. Interesting. Mm. So you know, already notice a difference in terms of preferences, even in, in like kind of SF, FS level, where they're, where they're, what they gravitate towards. Yeah. I think there's, I mean, I haven't got the study to hand, but, you know, just being around books, whether that is in school or at home, it can, you know, they don't even need to read the books, you know, it can really, really bring them on. And I think that familiarity piece is so important that books aren't kept on a high shelf or it's just in the school library. It's these 
touch points, I guess, for want of a better word. Absolutely. Um, so what are a big hit then with your with your kids? Have you noticed any you know trends, any authors, any themes in particular? Julia Donaldson's always, always a go-to with, with lots of the children. I think it's because it's so familiar from home as mm-hmm. well that parents will read to children. And the rhyming as well. Absolutely. You know, that repetition, that rhythm. The, yeah. If you are so inclined to do a silly voice, her books can lend themselves they really quite can. well. They really can. And the characters are so unique in some of those stories as mm-hmm. well. Um, although storylines tend to sort of follow the same theme at times, the characters really stand out for the children. I read Paper Dolls by Julia Donaldson to my little girl a couple of years ago and found myself crying. And I was like, Helen, what is going <laughs> on about this, you know, this granny that's in her memory? And it's, it's funny when you've got a little one kind of, you know, tucked into your nook you know, and your arm. Um, Because it takes us back to being little ones ourselves, I think, a lot of the time. So Julia Donaldson, the OG. I mean, (laughs) I dread to think how much that woman is worth and how many Gruffalos are around the world, but good for you, Julia. Um, Who else or what else? Oliver Jeffers is a really good one as well. Um, Especially the picture books with our children, especially the children with English as additional language as well. You really pull out lots of vocabulary from these books, mm-hmm. and the idea of you know up and down and 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 uh, those types of uh, repeated repeated stuck. stuck. Yeah, stuck's amazing. Love stuck. My daughter loves stuck because it, it's silly as well. Like you know, it's kind of the sense <laughs> of fun. And he's an art. I mean, he's an, a legit artist. Yeah, I interviewed him a few years ago. Not an unattractive man, I should say. He was deeply <laughs> unprofessional, but very charming, like lovely Northern Irish accent. And an artist who does these huge scale canvases in his studio in Brooklyn, but then condenses all of that talent and that whimsy. Yeah. He's got obviously such a curious mind about the world and communicating and because he's a dad himself. Yeah. Plays yeah. a really, really big role. Um, so how do you then blend um, back at these kind of ideas of interaction you know play-based learning into lessons because it's not just about those play spaces you know we ultimately send our kids to 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 read and learn and translate that into their own creative work how does it how does it move into that area so we we teach phonics and phonics kind of starts to bring in a love for learning and a love for reading in particular because as soon as children click and realise that they know that these funny figures in front of these funny shapes have a meaning, have a sound and then these sounds build up into a word and these words build up into sentences children around, I'd say around the age of four and five really start to have a love for reading and will read anything, Mm -hmm. everything and anything. So within our classrooms, we we make sure it's really rich prints, um, print, sorry, print rich in the classrooms and that children have access to print wherever they are, whether that's a book or whether that's a post-it note with a silly message on from a teacher that they planted somewhere. We also have lots of little um, secret messages that we put around the classroom and children will come up and go, I found one of your post-its and and try and read that. And we try and make sure it's phonetically plausible for the children as well so they understand what they're reading and understand they can read um have you had have you noticed this with your older child yet where they started to look at you know road signs and things and it's magic as a parent it's magic it really is and i was actually talking to my um my staff members at school and saying when when is it that the love for reading really comes because with my my little girl ophelia 
when we start reading at home and the school books that she gets at home, she'll often um, come across a word and be like, well, what does this say, mummy? What, what's this mean here? But when we're out and about, because it's not a book, she'll start to try and decode words and even capital letters as well that she's seeing and, and turning those into the, the phoneme, the letter sound. And now you can see the buzz that she's got for reading mm. and unintentionally reading and not thinking, oh, it's a reading you it's, know. it's reading time. I need to put this in my reading diary. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And I, what I'm guess curious about is when does that fade away a bit? Because I think that's a concern that an awful lot of parents have. We're going to be tackling that over the course of the afternoon as well. This is Eye on Education on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With Royal Grammar School Guildford, Dubai. Rebecca Cregan in the studio, stolen her away from Horizon International School where she is assistant principal. Um, the screens, Rebecca she says with her phone within arm's distance (laughs) um it's it wasn't an issue when we were at school but tv was you know there's always been something competing for our children's attention and now it's funny you were talking about phonics before when my when we when we're in lockdown learning that's what my little one was doing all the goat on a boat and all of that (laughs) but you know we we turn to screens as an essential part of learning and I'm certainly not demonizing but you know in terms of advice for parents who find their kids reaching for the iPad over a book any insights as a mum and a teacher yeah this is a really common thing these days and especially with distance learning being so prevalent the last couple of years and with devices coming into schools as well Mm. we've actually just spoken about this as a senior level in school and um we spoke about how we can introduce maybe um screen free days or at least screen free lessons um where children don't have access to the ipads Mm. and um i mean we've even got things uh, online um software that books get sent home on yeah, and, book and club exactly exactly <laughs> so trying to tear the children away from from screens i think schools can can do a really good job with sending home actually a physical book so children actually remember how to turn the page in yeah, a book and flip right. through to the page numbers but role modeling at home is one of those things you know sitting down with your uh, with your children even if you tend to go have older children, you can go to a coffee shop and sit down with your children and, and model reading a book and keep the phones away, keep the iPads away, those screens, the devices away and trying to remind child, you know, that the pictures and the love of a book, the feel of a book yeah, is really, really special. important. Mm. See, I have a Kindle, so I feel quite guilty about that. <laughs> so do I. Do you? <laughs> but it's because I've done have to wear my reading glasses. I can have it on a nice, generous font. Um, but trying to carve out times where you're just sitting next to each other. Is, do you know what? I saw an article yesterday in the Times talking about in, um, in New York, Brooklyn, obviously, um, that people are going to bars to read. So just going along with the book and there'd be a bit of background music because actually when we are at home we have even as adults obviously screens competing for our attention and there's something actually really lovely and companionable about sitting next to someone absolutely bedtime's the best time my my little girl will grab a book and be like can we read can we read and you often find yourself looking at the uh-huh. time going oh have i got time just choose a short story but <laughs> Even that short story, even if it's got no words in and you just want to have that connection with that book, it's just so special. Can I ask for advice as a parent? Um, My kids are both good readers, you know, no kind of concerns. 
but they both want me to read to them. And I think it's because they want that connection time. What I'm trying to do is like, you read that page, I'll read this page. Yeah. You know, we, we're very familiar with Isadora Moon right now. Um, what else could I be doing to encourage them without it becoming a chore? Yeah, this is this is a difficulty as a, a one for time aspects because you just want to get through the the children yeah. reading every day with you. Totally, and, and I've got two bedtimes to be juggling as absolutely. well. Absolutely, um, I think like you've just said there, the you read one page, I read the other, or taking turns. So uh, you could read a chapter the other the other uh, night. The next night, your children could read a chapter. <gasps> I've to you. the next night. I'm like, I'm not doing two <laughs> chapters in one night, Rebecca. <laughs> Who do you think I am? <laughs> okay, so we're on the we're on the right path, indeed. Um, you touched on earlier about children coming to school, whether it's from another country or from a bilingual household and the power that books have to open up vocabulary. Yeah. What kind of languages and books of different languages do you have at school that Horizon International? So we do, we have a lot of, um, in, in both libraries, we have a foundation stage library on its own and then we have a main school library, primary and secondary. And we do have lots of uh, bilingual books in there. Um, mainly we have Arabic and English books um, being in the, the wonderful country we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also have multi languages um, across the libraries as well. Not only that, we have picture books, and I find that picture books being read to students, to children in home language, I find that extremely important. And we have lots of parents who come in from when they start the children in foundation stage one particularly that my child doesn't speak English and you're going to teach them how to read in the English Mm -hmm. how do I keep my home language alive and it's simple take that reading book take away the words look at those pictures and really enjoy what you're seeing with your child in your home tongue and then approach the English language and how to decode those words later on you know it's really important both sides and and then you also get the the school side when children come into school after reading a book at home they'll have so much more knowledge and understanding of what those pictures are what those words mean because Mm. they've been speaking in home language but also in english at school makes sense Going us the text line, a message here saying, um, do comics count as reading? Absolutely, yes. yes. And there's some great ones now. I mean, the you know, the Dogman and, you know, the, I mean, mine are really into the 13-story uh, treehouse and those, but in, in terms of comic comics, like, like I would have known them, I think so. I think so too, especially the Beano. Yes. I mean, I remember reading the Beano as a child Me myself. Me too. <laughs> it totally counts. Imagine she's saying, my, my daughter has to go through multiple books at bedtime. If I introduce a new one, it gets added to the list instead of replacing it. Yeah. With Even magazines though as well. The children are so interested in magazines. We have magazines in our school, in the, the little library areas, in the classrooms. And children often, if they've finished with them at home, will bring them in because it's a, good idea. It's a really good way. Also, they're really expensive. They are. It's like there's, there's like the gauntlet of doom where it's like sweets and magazines in the supermarket. And I'm like, could you get a magazine that isn't covered in total plastic tat? But what they do is they do actually read them because, you know, there might be word searches yeah. in there. Um, my kids love those, um, you know, like decoding the secret message by working out what letter is, you know, da, 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 da. So exactly. they do occasionally get them. Um <laughs> Can we talk about World Book Day? And we will talk about it, of course, nearer the time. Of course. Do you as staff all get dressed up? Oh, they do indeed. What yeah. have been some of the favourites over the years? Um, well, there's been a grouchy ladybird. Um, there's been Maleficent, obviously. Great one. Um, and we've got the Mad Hatter. Um, our principal, Mr. Gale, always comes to school dressed as the Mad Hatter. <laughs> get some value out of that, out of that costume, Mr. Gale. <laughs> indeed. We've had Elsa's, uh, obviously, as well. I always wonder, like, here comes a boy in a football strip. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. What, what book are we talking exactly. about today? <laughs> what we're, we're quite mean at school is we get the children to dress up, but they have to bring in a book that has that character in as well, so you can relate to the book and the character. Cue everyone going into bookworm <laughs> thing. Have you got any books about football players? <laughs> Rebecca, thank you so much for coming in. Um, it's been really lovely to hear what's happening at Horizon International and to hear, you know, I think the very real juggles and struggles, you know, we think a lot about as, as adults. Not everybody reads, and that's not a bad thing. You know, we have the expectations that our children need to be these dedicated little bookworms, and sometimes it's not their personality, and sometimes reading a comic absolutely does count or reading a magazine it's just as you said that modeling behavior and we're going to be talking more about fostering a love and if there is some reluctance so rebecca thank you so so much this is eye on education on afternoons with helen farmer with royal grammar school guildford dubai we're talking about fostering a love of reading of course is the lit fest over the weekend and joining us now is the head of prep at Royal Grammar School Dubai, Charlotte Greaves. Charlotte, we were both lucky enough to have a chat with Baroness Floella Benjamin earlier today. What a vibe she is. How was your day with her? Inspiring. Absolutely inspiring. Um, We all left with smiles on our faces and her book is called Keep Smiling. Um, Just absolutely wonderful. And, you know, the message she had for our children was incredible. Oh, such amazing energy. And if you missed this conversation, the podcast will be up very soon. I had problems getting a word in Edgeway. She was just, and I didn't want to, actually. She's just an incredible woman. You know, in her 70s, you know, I think best known still, you know, decades later for being on Play School. But what she's achieved when it comes to advocating for education in children, about promoting diversity, online safety now, she's turning her attentions to what a woman. Um, can I ask then, how impactful or important is it, do you think, for children to meet authors? What's it like for books to be brought alive or for them to see, I guess, the person behind the pages? Um, it, it's, it's funny because she said she met one of our children and the first thing they said is, you're, you're real? <laughs> you're a real person? It's Yeah, it's just bringing that love of reading alive for them and seeing um, that ha- the journey that she's gone on with um, how to write and how she's taken her own stories and how she's brought them into schools and, you know, into, you know, parliament, all of those mm-hmm. things. It's, it's just real life. And I think you can't beat anything more than um, a child hearing it from from the voice of the person that's you know writing the words on the pages absolutely right um lucky kids very lucky kids i'm sure mm-hmm. it was a core memory made today with baroness benjamin um a few of the questions we've had today charlotte is about reluctant readers and that's what i wanted to ask you about you know we were talking earlier uh, with rebecca about you know how important access to books is you know having those spaces in fs and all the way through where children can grab books, you know, touch them, interact with them. And I I feel like for an awful lot of families, you have this initial rush of enthusiasm and this magic as they start to put, you know, words and sentences together. And then there are other things competing with their attentions. We were talking about screens, but it can be hobbies. It can be this idea of reading not being cool that can, you know, turn, turn them away from the books. How can we continue to encourage that love of reading? And maybe not a love, maybe not a, a passion that we would ideally like but certainly an inclination towards a book from time to time it's it's an it's a question I get asked very often and actually um a parent asked asked me this the other week you know a year a year six um 
boy who's just you know not loving reading and we had a really great conversation and and talked about um giving um him choice and giving him that you know ownership of the books he wants to read um and you know you know if he's interested in sport then reading biographies of of you know people real people Mm -hmm. and just really making sure that we've got that diversity of genres to broaden their horizons um and and i i think i've said this before on here just modeling that that reading we mimic adult behavior all of the time and if they see dad reading especially boys you know whatever that might be then it's it's really important they'll begin to develop those habits um you know, connection with the books and interests, as I said, um, and just setting some challenges and goals. Um, and also, I mean, we've, we have a young boy here. He's just written a book. What? And the reason, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Karim, um, he, uh, he's going to be on the show in a few weeks, Ooh, actually. fantastic. But I was going to say, he sounds like he should be in the studio. That's brilliant. Yeah, how, how, how old amazing. is he? So he's in year five. So he's nine years old and he's written a book and he wrote a book because the writing enabled him to bring that love of reading back. And he Mm. wanted to write a book about mystery for other children that maybe didn't enjoy reading and it, it's brilliant it's really really exciting um and be patient be patient with him with with the children you know mm. be patient with them encourage them all of those things really important we talk about some big topics especially with our children on the show about this idea of empathy inclusion diversity and do you feel like literature has a, a role in that charlotte absolutely because of the you know making inclusivity is so important and it's one of our values actually here at the RGS um, exposing children to different perspectives is so important it's also giving children the opportunity to ask questions it's those huge wise why questions and as parents if you don't know the answers that that's okay find the answers out together um, and just even looking at characters from different backgrounds, I, I think, you know, um, Fluella actually talked about Shakespeare this morning. Shakespeare's a great one for looking at backgrounds. And yes, we might think, oh, that, that's old fashioned or, you know, but there are some great stories that really show um, a deeper understanding and appreciation of difference. And that's really important. We heard from uh, Rebecca Cregan earlier from Horizon International about some of the, the kind of the hot books at their school. What what about RGS? What are some of the books that you will always struggle to keep in the library? Have you noticed any trends? Mm, yeah, absolutely. So um, definitely Harry Potter, of course. Um, great, great classics as well. The Great Gatsby is a great, great classic. And also, you know, just things like... Um, you know, the hungry caterpillar, that's always out of timeless. the library. Timeless. <laughs> timeless. But even older children love love books like that. I think one of my my favourites um is uh Pride and Prejudice. I love I love that book and um yeah, anything by Shakespeare for me. But um just and, and be I think living in the, the, the country that we live in, making sure that it's really cross-curricular, cross-culturally um, and, and exposing children to books from your own culture and from your own language as well. So read traditional stories, you know, read fairy tales. Um, 
and and you know some fairy tales have been rewritten for older children so it's really important that you have all of those things well thank you so much for sharing your insights and your enthusiasm what's on your bedside table right now charlotte greaves what are you reading well i have recently bought a kindle yeah and i've got, welcome to the club yeah and I've, i love it i'm, I'm hooked now i'm converted um, you know the love of the smell of books has been always been my passion but yeah i've got i've actually got a jack reacher on the go hey listen I love a bit of Jack, to be honest. I think, I, I think honestly, sometimes you do a high, you do a low, you do a fiction, you do a nonfiction. It's all about the richness of reading. So thank you so much, Absolutely. Charlotte Greaves. Really appreciate your time. Head of prep at RGS. That was Eye on Education. I'm Helen Farmer and you can catch us live on Dubai Eye 103.8 every single Thursday afternoon.